We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always. I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, we're talking about the Bulls ahead of the stretch run. Six games left in the season for the Bulls. At the moment, they sit 44-32 and in the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. They have a half-game lead over the surging Toronto Raptors, who have won 9 of 11. And they have a game and a half lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, the Bulls do hold the tiebreaker against both of those teams. Uh, the Cavs got some bad news today with Evan Mobley going to be on the shelf for at least the next three games. And the Bulls are finally coming home for this stretch run. After playing so many road games post-All-Star break, the Bulls get a nice stretch here where they play one, two, three, four of their last six at home. Five. I believe they five five, five in a row. They got a five-game homestand coming up here. But it's against some very good teams. They start off against the Clippers, who now have Paul George back. Paul George in his first game last night popped off for 30-plus. He was playing elite defense as well. Didn't really seem to have his full explosion back. I know it was an elbow injury that he had, but uh, wow, he was tremendous down the stretch for them against the Jazz. So that Clippers game, not going to be easy, even though it's at home. That's probably a must win. Then on Saturday, you got the Heat. Then you got the Bucks. Then you got Boston, now without Robert Williams. Then you got a Charlotte team the Bulls have been very good against this year. Then they end the season on Sunday, April 10th at the Timberwolves. So looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference playoff picture right now, Jace, one through four is separated by a game and a half. You currently have the Heat, a half game on top of the conference ahead of the Bucks. Then you got the Celtics in the third seed. And right now the Bulls' first round opponent would be Joel Embiid, James Harden, Doc Rivers in the Philadelphia 76ers. As I'm sure I don't need to remind anyone listening to this podcast, the Bulls have never beaten Embiid in his career. So this entire season is coming to a head. And Jason, I always say that 
March doesn't really matter in the NBA. You can't really learn too much about your team in March. Typically the dog days of the season, some teams are like teams at the bottom of the standings are often pretty transparently tanking. We've been seeing that with the Blazers, the Magic, uh, the Thunder, a lot of teams at the bottom of the standings. Um, And then teams at the top of the standings, you know, sometimes you're like resting guys. We saw, uh, I think the Heat lost to the Sixers without Embiid and Harden. Correct. And then they lost to the Warriors. Warriors without Draymond, Clay, and Steph. So I never take too much from March. But one thing I always do take a lot away from is like the last five or six games of the season in April, just to see where your squad is heading into the postseason. So uh, it's been a rough stretch, Jason, post all-star break for the Bulls. Uh, They did get a win last night against the Wizards, though, and they badly needed that game, given how difficult the schedule is coming up. Yeah, it's uh, the Bulls have not been very good since the all-star break. One of the worst teams in the NBA since the break. Uh, I think they're now six and 11 since the all-star break. Uh, like literally, I think the blatantly tanking blazers and thunder are the only teams worse. And then there's like the Lakers too. The Lakers actually might be worse. And they're obviously a joke. Uh, the bulls have been really bad and, uh, needed this win against the wizards. It was not a pretty game for three quarters. They were only up two. They had another really bad coming out of halftime. I called them a loser team because they were playing like losers, uh, it was just, I mean, playing a Wizards team without also kind of tanking. No, no Bradley Beal out for the year. Kyle Kuzma might be done for the year. Game you need to win to close your road trip. I know it was the second of a back to back, but the Bulls were not playing well. Demar was six of 20 through three quarters. Zach was having a terrible game on the second of a back to back, maybe dealing with that knee thing. Caruso was grimacing with this lower back contusion. So luckily, Demar woke up in the fourth quarter, scored 14.6 of seven shooting. Uh, they, the wizards started trapping him. They were able to beat the traps a few times using Vooch in the middle of the court, uh, found Zach Levine for a couple open threes to help shut the door. So the bulls kind of ran away from the wizards, did what they had to do, closed the road trip two and three. This came after just a, a miserable loss against the Knicks where it looked like the bulls were going to blow them out. They were up 12. They were playing well early in the, in the second quarter. And then they just fall apart the rest of the first half. Horrible start to the second, the third quarter, and then they, they got down big and then came back, almost came back, just could not get over that hump uh, and fell short. Uh, I think it was Alec Burks hit a dagger three-pointer in the corner. A really nice play from Manuel quickly. Brutal loss there against the Knicks. The Knicks have been feisty lately, uh, playing a bit better. I think they have like a three- or four-game winning streak, but still, Knicks, a bad Knicks team. You should still beat when you're with all everything's at stake. Uh, and that had come after a really nice win in Cleveland, which I did not think they were going to win that game. After the sky was basically going back even to the last week, since we, we haven't talked since last Wednesday, that Pelicans game, like the sky was falling after that one. I know the Pelicans have been better lately too, but no Brandon Ingram there. Uh, and the Bulls just could not stop then. You had Jose Alvarado just dancing, stunting all over him, pulling his tricks on Alex Caruso, running from the corner of the bench and uh, forcing a travel. And he just destroyed them in the fourth quarter. Bulls gave up like 126 that night and got absolutely smoked. Sky was falling there. I thought this team is on their way to the play-in. Then they come out and beat Cleveland. They play one of their better halves in a long time in the first half. Almost choke in the second half. Able to do just enough to beat them earn that tiebreaker as you mentioned that was huge to win that game in cleveland it's like all right win this game in cleveland now you got knicks wizards back to back finish this road trip let's win both these games really get a little separation you come out and you lay the egg against the knicks and it's like i mean they've just been such a roller coaster these last this last week or so with these games uh and now they they get this wizards win they need absolutely needed it uh they do have 
now that they've got this Wizards win and out with the Cavs losing Evan Mobley, they are in a pretty good spot to at least stay out of that play and to at least get in the top six. So the Raptors are, are coming on strong. It would not surprise me if the Bulls still fall behind them, given how tough the schedule is. But basically, you have six games left. Win, win me three of them, and the Cavs would have to go six and one, and they play the Mavs tonight. I think they play the Hawks and the Knicks on the road without Evan Mobley. I think they have games against the Bucks and Nets. The Bulls, as long as the Bulls don't go like 0-6 or 1-5 to close the season, I think they should be fine in terms of holding off the Cavs for at least like the number six seed. We'll see about uh, the five seed. As you mentioned, like those top four seeds in the East, they're just so bunched up. Like, I don't know, like five or six, it might not matter. They're probably going to start on the road either way if they get five or six. Well, it could depend on the matchup there in terms of the Bulls playing a competitive series. At this point, I think we're probably both of the belief that they aren't going to win a series. Uh, I think we're just hoping that they can be competitive, maybe catch a break. Maybe they get lucky if there's an injury or something. Uh, but obviously the goal right now, stay in the top six. You have some home games here. Hopefully they can come back home here and get a few nice wins. I mean, we know they've been so bad against these elite teams. that I can't remember who tweeted it, but someone tweeted out a graphic of just like Bulls versus uh, like all the teams in the NBA versus elite versus good versus like kind of bad. And then versus terrible. And the bulls are like good against three out of those four groups. And then there's the elite where they're like, like the top seven or eight teams where they're like two and 18 with like a minus 10 or 11 net rating. We know that they're these bad against elite, bad against elite teams, but so they'll have a chance in a few of these games against the heat, against the bucks, against the Celtics again uh, at home to maybe get a statement winner or two here, feel good about themselves going into the playoffs uh, because it's been tough to feel good about them. Again, they've just they have not been playing well on either end. Their offense, after their offense was so good for so, so much of the season, their offense has stunk for the for since the All-Star break. They they can't shoot threes. They don't shoot threes. Uh, that is the problem. They're making like nine threes a game since the All-Star break, which is by far the most. They're only taking like 23 or 24. Again, by far the least uh, in, in the NBA. DeMar has kind of fallen back down to earth in terms of his efficiency. Zach has kind of been hit or miss with his knee. They're still missing Lonzo Ball. We're waiting to see if we get a Lonzo Ball update either today, maybe tomorrow, now that they're back at home. I think, as we talked about with Cody last week, I think the assumption here is that Lonzo is just going to be finished. Hope Crossing our fingers, that's that's not the case and that there's good news that he'll be able to come back, if not for the regular season, for the playoffs. But uh, it's just been hard to be very optimistic about the Bulls these days. But at least they did not completely shit the bet against the Wizards because that would have been just a pure disaster if they did. Yeah, heading into this stretch run, seeing Clippers, Heat, Bucks, Boston, I'm like, man, I'm hoping some of these teams are trying to either like massage their place in yeah. the playoff race or trying to rest guys ahead of the postseason. And maybe the Bulls can get some wins by like, you know, the Bucks not playing Drew or not playing Middleton uh, or Boston resting Tatum or Brown because. Uh, it's going to come down to the last couple games. And thankfully the bulls have been really good against Charlotte. They play Charlotte in the second to last game of the season. And then they've got the wolves who have been awesome, obviously since the all-star break. Uh, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head, Jason, when like you said, everything has just been so bad, just all around bad vibes throughout March and really the end of February as well. The offense is the big thing. And I was going to, I was going to talk about this. So since the all-star break, They're 28th in offensive efficiency. The only teams worse than them are the Magic and the Blazers, both totally transparently tanking. And then defensively, they're 20th since the All-Star break. So 
you know, this is a Bulls team that if they were going to succeed, even going back to the preseason, it was always going to be with like the offense performing at a near top five level. What's the big thing that's changed post all-star break? Well, DeRozan went on that absolute heater at, in like the beginning of February, middle of February, then the all-star break comes. I think the Bulls had won six in a row entering the all-star yeah. break. And finally, teams figured out that they need to send two at him, right? Get the ball out of his hands. And you would think that this Bulls roster should be a team that can beat a trap because Vooch can catch the ball. He can pass. He can make quick decisions. You have quick ball movers in Caruso. Lonzo would be another one of those guys. He hasn't been there. That's been a big reason for their downfall, obviously. And then on the perimeter, you do have some shooters with Kobe White and some other guys like Io, like Pat Williams, who you hope can shoot. Big issue is that the Bulls are just record scratching on way too many potential open three-point attempts. It happened to Patrick Williams late in the fourth quarter uh, in last night's game against the Wizards. It's even happened to Kobe White a couple times this year. And then Io has really seemed to hit a rookie wall. He's still giving you pretty solid minutes defensively. I think, you know, Io, you just give the pick an A overall. He's been tremendous for the Bulls this entire year since they've taken him. But this is what happens to rookies. You come out of college and you're playing max 36, 37 games, especially when you're coached by Brad Underwood and you're losing in the first weekend of the tournament every year. I'm just kidding, Jason. Congrats to Brad Underwood on his extension, by the way. (laughs) Under under contract till 2028. (laughs) Under contract till 2027 wasn't enough for him. But, uh, yeah, like I was just naturally hitting a rookie wall, playing twice as many games as he's ever played before. Uh, but did the Bulls finally figure out a way to consistently beat traps yesterday? Will Gottlieb wrote something on it at CHGO. You guys can check that out. Uh, but basically the story of last night's game was Vooch was eating in the first half. I think Vooch had like 20 plus in the first half. He only had in the first 20- quarter. 15 in the first quarter. I think he had 22 in the first half. Ended with like 27. Yeah. Uh, But it was DeRozan taking over in the fourth quarter. As always. You just wonder sometimes, like, does a super DeMar-centric offense sort of uh, hurt everyone else in terms of, like, keeping them out of a rhythm? Now, obviously, NBA basketball is about the superstars. You're going down with your stops. Yeah. And the Bulls coming into this year were the worst team in the league over the last four seasons. (laughs) The reason they've been so good this year is because DeMar has put him on their back. Uh, But, you know, DeMar sort of struggling post-All-Star break, especially in March, after going on that heater in February, has been the reason the team has been struggling to win games. And I got the numbers pulled up. Uh, DeMar was averaging 34 a game in February, and March is averaging 25 a game. His true shooting percentage fell from 63% to 54%. Uh, or or something around there. Yeah, 63 to 53. So basically, both his scoring and his scoring efficiency have taken 10-point drops, and that's come with teams throwing two at the ball. Uh, I think that getting Lonzo back would be the absolute best way for the Bulls to beat these traps, but if not, uh, DeRozan's going to be like making jump passes, getting the ball to Vooch, and then have Vooch run a four-on-three situation. And really... These should be situations that the Bulls or any team with a bunch of NBA veterans should be able to beat, but you can't have guys record scratching on open three-pointers. You got to have decisive, quick ball movement, and both of those things have been an issue for the Bulls over the last month. Yeah, like the Knicks game, I was thinking, like, I really do, don't want to like be harsh on Tamar. He's been so good, uh, but he, and even last night, he was forcing some stuff last night. He got hot in the fourth quarter, held the Bulls when that was great. The Knicks game, though, he was also, he had a big fourth quarter then too, but 
He also missed a couple of really tough shots when I think the Bulls had a chance to go up. And it was just him. Like he was not even thinking about looking to pass. Like there were times where he probably could have looked and found Vooch or Zach out of the wing and said, I mean, he he had the ball, he was dribbling to his spot, and he was going to shoot up a tough mid-range shot no matter what. And it happened multiple times in the Knicks game. Uh, and and I, I think even Darnell wrote about this the other day about just like, well, the Bulls like get out of like isolation tendency. I can't remember exactly. It was about ISO ball. And then, and I just said, I mean, I just with, with a team with Zach and tomorrow, I, I just don't think so. That's what, that's their game. It's going to be like that. But I think there are times where DeMar does have to be a little, especially in crunch time. I know when he's got it really going, like DeMar could take the shots, but like there's probably some times where he's got to, he can get those shots basically whenever he's got to maybe look for something else and at least look for his teammates. I get it when that, I mean, that Knicks game, every it was basically Zach and DeMar versus the Knicks because everyone else is off of the bench. It was horrible. Kobe was horrible. I think he was like two of nine. I think he missed all five of his threes. Pat didn't, I think he didn't take a shot in that game. Vooch had an okay game, but like not great. So like I get it sometimes when DeMar feels like he's just got to do it all himself. Uh, but like that's just not going to work if it's just going to be him pounding the ball all like if their crunch time offense is just is just him pounding the ball and trying to jack up like twenty footers against multiple defenders. That's just it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. Like there are times last night where it's great, and I think there were a few times where he was able to get to his spots against single coverage and beat them, uh, beat the Wizards. But that's the Wizards. The Wizards suck. They're not trying. They're basically they're done at this point. Against good teams, you just won't be able to do it. We've seen Demar struggle against the Bucks with the defenders they can put on him. Uh, the Sixers can put tough defenders on him. I mean, the Heat, we know how aggressive they can be defensively. DeMar's just not going to be able to do this kind of shit uh, in against once the playoffs roll around. He's going to have to trust his teammates, even if there's sometimes I get why he doesn't. So, like, obviously, a lot of the a lot of these late shots, a lot of the crunch time ball is going to be DeMar. Is There is going to be Zach doing ISO stuff, but they do have to – there have to be times where they at least have to move the ball a bit more using Vooch in the middle of the court. It is, and the, and the broadcast has talked about it, and it is very notable how they will look to get Vooch really going early, uh, 15 points last night. And everyone was, the joke was like, well, how much is he going to end up with? Is he going to end up with any more than 20 or 25 points? He ends up with 27 because they just don't look for him much down the stretch because it turns into Damar and Zach, which again, sometimes it's all right. But I mean, Vooch is still like as frustrating as he's been this season. He still can be a really good player. And then when you're slowing the game down, like, or just using Vooch again in the middle of the court to spray out to shooters, or even I hate to say post up Vooch in crunch time, but like maybe there are times depending on the depending on like the matchup at least where they should look more for Vooch and pitch and pick and pop or in the post. Just not forgetting about Vooch sometimes I think it can be a detriment to the team uh, when it turns into Zach and Demar just trying to chuck jumpers. Demar has been incredible in crunch time most of the season and, and in fourth quarters, but. Uh, it's just hard to think that that can be totally sustainable. Uh, and it would be nice at least diversify the crunch time offense a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to criticize DeMar too right. much. Mark <laughs> yeah. has been so good in the fourth quarter all year. And DeMar is the biggest reason the team is taking exactly. a big jump up the standings, but it is going to be a situation of like live by DeMar, die by DeMar. Like the team was winning when DeMar was putting up MJ like stats. If DeMar is going to struggle and if he's going to have, you know, below league average scoring efficiency like <laughs> add throughout March, yeah, they're going to lose. Now, even if that happens, like I view it more as an issue with the roster construction than I do with DeMar. So like, I understand why he does get tunnel vision sometimes. And yeah, like I said, like, 
NBA basketball is about your stars. At the end of the day, the Bulls are a team built around DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. And if you would have told us this two, three years ago, most people would probably say, well, they could maybe make the first round of the playoffs, but they don't have a very high ceiling. What I would like to see is the rest of the guys on the team really step up their play. If the Bulls are going to win a first round series, they're going to need Caruso to hit some threes. He's been pretty rough offensively, <sighs> both in terms of shooting and driving since he's come back. He seems to be really hot. hurting. I think he's that's playing hurt. He's yeah. playing sore. Uh, he was never going to be fully healed coming back from Grayson Allen's dirty ass play, but they're going to need him at, you know, the best he can possibly be for a playoff se- series. Kobe too. Like Kobe's going to have to hit shots. He- Kobe's been bad. He's he was be- a little better last night. He had like nine points, five assists, four rebounds. But like uh, I wrote something on, on Kobe at Forbes. He had that really hot stretch after the, after the trade deadline, they didn't trade him. He put up four straight games. I think double digits. He was averaging like 22, 23 game. They win all these games against those bum teams at home going into the also break since the also break. Bulls played 17 games, 6 and 11. He has hit double digits, I think, seven times only. He's only shooting around 40% overall, like 35% from three. That's just not good enough. Uh, Kobe's Kobe is on this team to be a three-point gunner, to be a microwave off the bench, and he just has not been providing that. And that's another reason why, And again, their three-point numbers are down. Their offense is one of the worst in the league since the All-Star break because Kobe is just not doing the microwave scoring thing. One 20-point game over since the All-Star break, and that was – the game against the Pelicans where they ended up getting blown out in the fourth quarter. That's just not good enough. I mean, Kobe's in his third year. I know like whatever we gave him some slack uh, at the beginning of the year because he had coming off the shoulder surgery and he had COVID. It was really tough. And then, but then he, he find he's had some really nice stretches. He was great coming going into the also break. And since then he's just been bad. I mean, maybe you can blame some of the just rotating role stuff with IO and these injuries, but like, I mean, it's year three he's kind of been mostly a bench guy all season. Like they know like that he's, they know what they want him to do. He's just not doing it well enough. And like, uh, he's got, he's got to do something sooner. Otherwise I, I, I think the writing's on the wall for him here. I think if he, unless he like really turns it around here that he's going to get traded this off season. I really hope that, I mean, I would really like to see Kobe do what was it? We, as we've talked about all season, he brings something that they need. They need the three point shooting. They need that type of bench scoring. They're one of the worst bench scoring teams in the league. He is just not doing it well enough, and he doesn't do other stuff well enough to make up for that. Last night, like I said, last night he did play. I thought he played hard defensively. He had five assists. That was nice, but that it's just not there consistently. But like four of the five other games before this, he was awful. The Bucks, I think he's he's like he's made like three or four threes against the Bucks this season on like twenty some attempts. Like when the defense really clamps down in these high some of these high leverage matchups, Kobe's just nowhere to be found, and they just need him. They need him to be better. He's a high variance player, and I still think he has the potential to possibly win him a playoff yeah. game or two. We've seen him have plenty of games where he hits six, seven threes. They're going to need him to do that. Also, I'd like to see him, like, you know, when teams are trapping DeMar and Zach, like getting guys moving as they catch the ball yes. is a great way to beat that. It's a great way to get some positive momentum going to the rim. Kobe does have the speed to like get to the rim at least. So would love to see him step it up down the stretch here. I think that, you know, if the bulls have a formula for winning a playoff game or, you know, multiple playoff games, winning a series against the Sixers against Boston teams that are going to be a big betting favor coming into the series some of it's going to depend on just Kobe getting hot at the right time and trying to steal you a game or two. And then, uh, you know, the rest of it is going to be like 
where is DeMar's level of play, particularly down the stretch? Is he going to be the guy we saw in February or the guy we saw in March? And then it's Levine. Like, you hope that in the playoffs, you're not playing back-to-back games, obviously. You hope that rest allows Zach to be in the best possible physical condition he can be in because yesterday when I was re-watching it, just full of lowlights on both ends of the floor for Levine. He was not Some here. of the defenses, defensive lapses, you're like, like, I think this this is Levine's rotation, but, like, he's not even attempting to make it. So I'm, like, second-guessing myself over, like, who is actually at fault for allowing some of these layups and not challenging shots at the rim. Uh, we know Levine is not a great defensive player. We know DeMar is not a great defensive player. But in the postseason, in a matchup, when you're seeing the same team so many times in a row, you would like to think that Donovan's able to, like, game plan something up and those guys are able to take their level of attention to detail and of activity and energy up a little bit, too. Uh, because, yeah, this was a, a really discouraging month for the Bulls. But, you know, as you alluded to earlier, I do think it could be good for them to play some quality teams at home at the end of the regular season to see if they can find a little bit of a rhythm. I still think the big thing is going to be proving they can consistently beat traps because if they can consistently beat traps, DeMar has shown throughout the year that he can beat one-on-one coverage. Oh yeah. Uh, And you know, it's just like how the bulls beat the traps and how DeMar sort of settles into his fourth quarter role is really just like the toughest thread for the bulls to find because it can go one of either way. You know, it's like, if you look at the bulls, in the second half, their shot profile is just super discouraging. They take the least amount of threes in the Will, league. Will they wrote about like this as well. I think last 25 threes a game. The next closest team, the 29th team in the league over that period, is taking like 31. Yeah. So they're like not just last, they're like last by a mile. And then they're also not getting to the rim. So not getting to the rim, like getting to the rim is basically how you force defenses into rotation and free up open shooters from three. Well, the Bulls are never going to be a super heavy rim pressure team because DeMar's shot profile and DeMar getting to his spots just naturally means you're going to take a lot of mid-range shots. Then you look at who else can get to the rim. It's like, well, Caruso, who's a point guard in name only, has never been a guy who's going to burn you off the bounce. Zach can do that, but Zach also is playing with the knee injury. Kobe can do it, but Kobe's been inconsistent. I always hit the rookie wall a little bit, but he has shown a good first step in some ability to get to the basket. So I was going to have to step it up in that regard too. And then too many of the shooters are just unconfident shooters. First and foremost, Patrick Williams, who you don't want to uh, rip too much because obviously he just missed five months of the season. They're throwing him into the fire at the end of the year. But uh, let's just say a friend Kevin Farragan of the Dennis Podman podcast called him jacked Tony Snell (laughs) for how averse he is to actually shooting the basketball. So, you know, these are going to be the swing factors for the Bulls heading into the stretch run. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, this is a good time, good transition to talk about Patrick Williams because I want to talk talk about Patrick Williams. It's been, I think, kind of a debate here on both Twitter. I know the broadcast talked about it. We talked about it last week with Cody as well about like Patrick Williams minutes. Should he end up starting? Um, he was a little better last night off the bench. Billy, Billy is like begging Patrick Williams to like be more aggressive. And like he's just like the quotes before yesterday's game, he's just like, I like, I don't know what I, what to say. Like he's had so much time off. Like it's tough to find a rhythm, but he's just like begging him to like be more aggressive. Look for a shot. Because again, I think he had what zero shots in the Knicks game, right? Uh, he got up, I think five yesterday, but he did have a nice and one. Uh, I know like, again, these are like, I think he had 6.7 rebounds, something like that. Uh, nothing special in 25 minutes. That's not huge, but I mean, we're talking about baby steps here. It was like, the f- after that, like first game where he took eight shots and like however many minutes it was, like his minutes have kept had kept dwindling. The aggressiveness had gone nowhere; had had been dwindling, and that necessitating these comments from Billy. Um, he, like I said, he was a bit more aggressive against the Wizards. The rebounding was nice: seven rebounds, three offensive. He had a nice putback, uh, nice offensive rebound and dunk in the fourth quarter last night. He again, he had a nice drive to his left and one on baseline. And we just need to see more of that. Again, I said before he came back, I had such low expectations for him. I didn't think it was, it was fair to really judge much after five months off after such a weird injury. But on the other hand, he did play a lot of minutes. It's not like he's a rookie. He did play a lot of minutes last season. So like you, it would be nice to see him just play with more force and just make more of an impact overall. I thought he played pretty decent defense last night. He did get burned by RJ Barrett a few times against the Knicks. He did not play well against the Knicks just in general. Uh, and at this point, I, I just don't think you can, it's just, it's unfair to have huge expectations. I think basically at this point it's a wash for him. I will start judging him like earnestly next season. He is still super young. I hate to just like put caps on, on super young guys. Development curves happen differently. 
it has been discouraging just how how let's like he, he because it just too often seems like he's out there running lap the Tony Snell thing where he's just running laps where he's kind of invisible getting his uh, cardio and yeah getting I and mean, sometimes it is kind of like that they need him to be more than that they drafted him number four he needs to be better than that again this season maybe not because he missed all this time he is getting his legs back under him getting back back in the swing of things in high leverage games here where the Bulls are fighting for a playoff race I get it. I don't want to be too harsh to the guy, but then this leads again, this debate we're talking about here, where how much should they play him? Should he start? He did get some closing minutes against the wizards. Cody said last on our last pod that he thinks ultimately he should start, uh, be in the starting five. I know the broadcast was pushing for it as well. Uh, I know they pushed Javante green to the bench. Also God bless Javante green and his just absolutely fucking thunderous dunks against the wizards last night. Uh, that's, I think Javante is probably best as that bench energy guy who comes in and throws down three or three dunk, sick dunks a game. Uh, but like, I guess now when you have IO crew, starting line of the last few games has been IO Levine, DeRozan, Caruso, uh, Vooch. So in this case, do you move Patrick Williams into the starting lineup and move IO to the bench? IO hitting that rookie wall teams, making adjustments on him, starting to figure him out. And like one hand, I would love to see Pat get the minutes. And I've been kind of leaning towards fuck it. Just start him, get the minutes, get those reps with these starters. I don't know if the Bulls are really going anywhere now, the way that things have gone. So just do it. On the other hand, like they are in a playoff race. They are the fifth seeded team. Billy Donovan as a coach doesn't trust Patrick Williams yet. So he's not going to just, I don't think he wants to just give a guy unearned minutes at this point. Like you do wonder like how that would play in the locker room. It's like Pat has not been playing well. So Io has been there, been through these battles all season. You're just going to put Pat in the starting lineup now. Uh, Again, I also it could it could also make sense just because of the size thing. The Bulls could really use the size. Pat theoretically, an ideal option at the four. So it's just this kind of debate here. Like Pat has not earned the starting spot with his play, but like theoretically, he could be a really solid four. Uh, you want him to get as your star prospect. You want him to get these reps, these minutes. What he Billy did yesterday maybe is a nice compromise. He play, again he played I think twenty five minutes last night. He got some closing minutes. Uh, maybe that is how he kind of goes about this. We'll see again with these six games left going into the regular season. I'm assuming he's not like we get to the playoffs. He's not going to just be like, Pat, you're starting now. Like, I think if he's going to make the move to Patrick Williams in the starting lineup, it's going to happen on this homestand. So we'll see if he does that. But where, where are you with that right now? You know what I want? Five Javante's. <laughs> I think we really need Javante. I think that he gives them, so he gives them some of the spark in the energy that made the Bulls so good in the first half of the season when they had the full roster available or everyone but Pat available, basically. Uh, that infusion of activity and just, like, nuclear athleticism. He had two plays against the Wizards that, like, I wanted to tweet that not even 5% of NBA players could finish some of those plays that he was doing. I mean, there was the ridiculous alley-oop which he caught from like 30 feet away. And then he had another big dunk where he took off, like basically from the dotted line to flush it home. I think they need Javante uh, to try to get him out in transition. I think they need him to shoot the ball when the ball swings to him, even, yeah. especially if teams aren't going to cover him because he's been pretty solid as a shooter all year. I know he's been bad too after the all-star break, just like everyone else, but he's been a 35, 36% shooter this season. And it's been higher than that for most of the year on low volume. 
Uh, the thing we've been thinking all year is that, you know, well, in the playoffs, no one's going to guard Javante. I'll still take Javante because I think that he can either he's a better shooter than teams think he's going to be, or he can just eat up that space by driving the ball and tacking a closeout uh, in a way that like not that many other people on this roster. can. I do. mean, no, no. What's also true is no one's going to guard Pat and no one's going to guard Io in the playoffs either. Uh, they're going to leave those guys alone and they're going to make them prove that any of those guys can beat them. They're going to float up on the Bulls, other stars. And they're going to make those guys take shots, drive, beat closeouts, whatever. Like they're going to leave any of those guys open. Is you probably can the see case. a scenario where this could get really ugly for the Bulls in the playoffs because any of the teams they've been they could play in the first round are teams that have smoked them throughout <laughs> the year. So yeah, I mean it feels bad, but they need to get back to some of their identity as like a transition team. And that's really what they lost when, when Lonzo Lonzo. got hurt, they were the most efficient scoring team in transition for the vast majority of this year. I haven't looked at that stat recently, so I don't know if they still are. Mike Prada Prada tweeted about, uh, tweeted something about that. I think a couple games ago and just really highlighted uh, bulls were one of the top teams scoring per possession like what per transition possession and now i think they're more like middle of the pack towards the bottom half of the league and clearly and i think it was literally delineated with lonzo and then like since the lonzo, lonzo injury so that's been huge i mean the transition stuff the three-point shooting the defense is all stuff that has just taken a dip without lonzo it shows yeah, how in it's not the same team as it was when they were really good. It's just the style of play has changed so much. Like, yes, DeMar has been the life jacket for them in the fourth quarter all year, but it's really become a lot more slowed down. Um, your turn, my turn with Levine uh, throughout games. Whereas when the team was really cooking, they were getting so much in transition. They were getting so much more uh, in terms of like finding open shooters. They were the best three-point shooting team, even though they weren't taking many uh, for a lot of the year. So it's just a different team right now than it was when they were really rolling. And you just hope this last stretch against some of these good teams, they can try to get back to their identity because when they lost their identity, when Lonzo and Caruso went out, they lost the season. Yeah. And we, and we talked about this when they were going after Lonzo, when they first signed him that while Lonzo is obviously not, a superstar player. He has his flaws in terms of his half court game and stuff like that, that he is just like, I believe the connecting piece is the term that you always used. And that's just so, it's just so obvious that he just like connects everything together, both ends of the court with what he does. Uh, and the bulls just miss that so much. Uh, and just the way the roster is constructed, like it's clear that I'm mean, just, when their top three guys are guys that really can't play defense, like losing a guy like Lonzo is just so tough. Losing one of these top guys is just really tough. And when you lose Lonzo and Caruso, both really, really tough. Um, look, I guess to finish up here, and when we're, ta- when we're talking about the teams they may face, teams are playing coming up, teams they may face. Looking at it now, I tweeted this the other day. This may be full of shit. Maybe it's bogus, but like how things have played out the last like week or so, like looking at a first round matchup, the Bulls will either be five or six at this point. And I said, if there's like any chance of them competing, maybe winning if things break right. They probably have to play Miami uh, because the Heat have some goofy stuff going on. We got Jimmy kind of being Jimmy. They had the insane blow up with Jimmy, Eric Spolcher, and Udonis Haslam. Uh, Jimmy can't shoot anymore. He's got a few. I think he's got a wrist injury. He's got like an ankle injury. Their half court offense has been kind of dog shit uh, all season. They're, so their crunch time offense is not great. 
The Bulls have not been able to score against them. Last time the Bulls played in Miami, they got absolutely uh, embarrassed. They couldn't do anything against their defense. The Heat are 3-0 against the Bulls this season. Again, the Bulls have not been able to score. They just, the way that they defend uh, when they're locked in and the way they can throw different looks at you, it's really tough for the Bulls. But Miami's offense makes me believe that the Bulls could at least compete with them uh, as long as like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent aren't sh- like shooting 60% from three. I guess you could throw Duncan Robinson in there too. Uh, and obviously they have Tyler Hero. But what do you think about that? At this point right now, who would you like to see your first round? Yeah, what team... Do you want the Bulls to play? Yeah. Is big talking. Point. I'm going with Miami. Because, I mean, the Jimmy factor is just cool. Lowry versus DeRozan. Fun storylines. And the Heat just seem to be maybe the most vulnerable out of I mean, Boston, even without Robert Williams. I mean, they're just playing ridiculously well. Uh, problem is, problem is the Heat are too well coached. Like, Spolstra yeah. is arguably the best coach in the league. This Heat team was always seemingly built for the playoffs because they didn't have a great bench coming into the year. Well, then so many guys were out there able to develop this bench. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the heat are a decent guess for, or they're a decent pick for what team you want to see the bulls play, but the Spolster factor and just the fact that like you're going up against Jimmy Bam and Lowry, like that's pretty freaking tough in the playoffs. It is. This sounds insane. I almost want to go Philly. Because I think Philly might be worse now than they were before the trade deadline. Yes, you get Harden in there, but Harden's been bad. Like his play really. Uh, it was know, good last high, night against Milwaukee. Although high variance, though. High variance. Yeah. Like he's going two for 11 one night, and then the next night, you know, he'll put up 30. But you just don't know when Harden is going to come out not looking like himself in terms of his explosiveness, going to the basket, finishing around the basket. I heard a stat, I think on the Zach Lowe podcast, that Harden is shooting under 50% on dunks and layups this year. Basically, he's just baiting people to foul him more than ever, but he no longer has the threat of like, well, if you don't foul me, I'm just going to score because I'm such a good finisher. Now his finishing has come down so far. Uh, You know, don't discount the loss of Seth Curry and Andre Drummond from the Sixers either. And Rivers is a bad coach. So <laughs> the fact that you Joel have... Embiid literally like called him out, uh, not by name, but he was like, yeah, like, you know, the Bucks killed, killed us when I was on the bench and Giannis was just going off. Like maybe play me while Giannis is going off instead of having me sit on the bench while he goes off. Clearly aimed at Doc Rivers. And we know that Doc has had his issues with blowing leads and series and lineup management. I know it's just a big talking point amongst, amongst Sixers fans and uh, if he plays like DeAndre Jordan and stuff like that, I feel like the Sixers series would just be so annoying to watch between. Yeah, because they'd just be going the, for fouls the free the throws. It would be. Yeah. yeah, and you could totally see Harden being better in the first round and then like flaming out in the second yeah. round. That's been themed throughout <laughs> his career. He's been better earlier in the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, there's not really a good answer. No. I the Bucks absolutely. The Bucks, I think, would, would absolutely murder. not. They're yeah. last. Yeah, uh, uh, and then like Celtics. The Robert Williams, Robert Williams has been awesome this season. He really ties a lot together for them on both ends with his lob threat, uh, with his rim protection and rebounding. They've just been so, so good. Tatum's just been so good. Horford's still really good. Brown is a great two-way player. They just have so many guys who can beat you and they're, and they have the best defense in the NBA, even without Robert Williams, they'll probably still be pretty good. I mean, their D their D team almost went into Toronto and beat them. They just seem like they're rolling, have everything really going. So I don't know if the Williams, Maybe the Williams injury, he could could be back for the second round. Maybe that d- hurts them more than I expected to, but I feel like against the Bulls, it just would not matter much. I know, like, 
I think Cody said last week, and I've heard other people say, you know, the Bulls kind of match up with them. They can throw whatever guys at, they can throw Pat and Crusoe, and maybe if they get Lonzo back at like Jalen and Tana, but like, I just don't know if the Bulls can score against them at all. Uh, and they've just been playing. I mean, they've been so good. I think people underestimate, just have not realized how much they've crushed everybody the last two or three months. Like, uh, they've been the best team in the NBA for the last two or three months, and they've been killing like everybody. They've they had yeah. a stretch where they went like five or six games in a row recently where they were leading by twenty points. Like they're crushing everybody. It's so, like even without Williams, like I just I just don't see how the Bulls can really the, can beat the them. Sixers, Sixers pick feels insane because know. you know the Bulls can't beat Embiid. <laughs> yeah. and you know Embiid's going to go off for like forty plus every game. If they're playing the Sixers. You just let Embiid score, I guess, and you try to like limit everyone else. Yeah, that's the, that's what you got to do. You just don't foul Harden. Just make him make layups, and if he's making layups on you, you tip your you'll cap. Lose. Yeah, you'll and you try lose. not to foul him. Yeah. But I could also see the you know this the Celtics being a decent pick here, just because like yes, the Celtics are a different team than they were at the beginning of the year, but the Bulls have competed decently well against the Celtics throughout the season. I'm excited. I'm glad they play them again here at one of these Tatum last home Brown games. can like get into some hero ball stuff where they freeze out their teammates. And I do think that Robert Williams being out is huge. I mean, that he's been arguably defensive player of the year this year. He'd never win the award because uh, he just doesn't have that reputation yet. And, you know, Marcus Smart is probably the best candidate on their own team, but really Robert Williams is the reason that their defense has jumped up so much uh, over the last three months. So I think they might have a chance against the Celtics too. I think the key, the key against Celtics would be they'd have to keep these games close. Again, I've mentioned the Celtics are blowing everybody out. Their record in close games is not good. Again, they have not been in many close games lately because they're blowing everybody out. But and I know a lot of those like collapses they had were earlier in the season when they were kind of a mess and they've cleaned a lot of that up. But that is the hope where you for you keep it close and then maybe they melt down. Maybe Tatum and Brown go into hero ball stuff and it doesn't work out. And there's some variance there. Maybe that is the case. So like that, that could, that could bolster your argument for the Celtics thing. I guess the other thing for the Sixers is that their defense is not that great. Like I know, they have Matisse Thibel, who has been a thorn in Zach's side. They could throw him at DeMar, too. Embiid is obviously a defensive player of the year candidate, but Harden sucks defensively. Uh, Tobias Harris isn't great defensively. I feel like in general, I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of what their defense has been like since they traded Harden. I don't think it's been that great. Uh, so maybe that's another point for that matchup. It's just so hard to say that I'd want to play the Sixers, considering they've literally never beaten Joel Embiid. But, I mean, at this point, none of these answers are great because the Bulls have not... They, out of those four teams, the Bulls have one win this season. They haven't beaten the Bucks. They have not beaten the Sixers. They have not beaten Miami. They have one win against Boston, and that was a game where they had that huge comeback earlier this season. That was when the Celtics were a mess earlier this season. So, like, none of these options are great. Uh, and I guess just hopefully they avoid the Bucks because I think the Bucks, a locked-in Bucks team, will absolutely thrash them and just beat their ass, especially with Brooke Lopez back now. Uh uh, the other three, maybe it's a toss up. I like, I just like, I kind of like the Miami thing. Just again, the storylines are fun. It would be kind of f- full circle where Bulls back in the playoffs. Now they're facing Jimmy. Uh, first time back in the playoffs since they traded Jimmy. The Lowry DeRozan factor would be kind of fun. And the Heat possibly on the verge of comb- combusting. I don't know. They say that everything's all right. Jimmy's just being Jimmy and uh, working some stuff out. But who knows? We'll see. 
But anyways, I think that, that's basically all for me now. You got anything else? I'm checking to see before we sign off here if there is a Lonzo Ball update. We'll see. Maybe there'll be something after we leave. Again, uh, sometime soon here, I'm assuming on this homestand, we are going to get a more official Lonzo Ball update. They have to make a decision on him, on him coming up soon here. Remember, he they stopped his running for 10 days. Uh, I can't remember when exactly that was, how many days ago it was, but uh, so at this point, once they're through those, that timetable, you know, figure out it, can he run again? If he's able to run, maybe he'll, they'll be able to ramp him up real quick and get him back into game action. If he's still struggling with running after this 10 days, I'm assuming they're shutting him down for the season. So we'll see if there is an update on that coming up here, uh, tonight, tomorrow, next couple days here on this home stand, we will see crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. Uh, but that'll do it for us here. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here at Cash, please go check out all the other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network, especially with the NBA playoffs coming up. Tons of great content on Blue Wire, and then we tons of stuff from all the other sports as well. MLB season starting up here pretty soon. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, NFL, obviously, it, free agency kind of wrapping up here, but uh, for us here at Cash, as always, please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. Uh, for Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. Shout out to Fuzzgun as well for our intro this season. Check out his SoundCloud. For the Bulls, Thursday night, again, we got home against the Clippers at the United Center. Ricky, are we good to do uh, uh, Green Room for tomorrow's game? After that, we haven't we haven't done one in a while. So we'll be live after tomorrow's Bulls Clippers game. Hopefully we'll have something good to talk about. Uh, and then again, Heat at home on Saturday to finish up this week. So that we got some fun games here to close out the week, close out the season. So we will uh we'll talk to you guys tomorrow after this Bulls Clippers game. Again, hopefully we have something good to talk about. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys then. Take it easy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.